0: i
1: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Davis at The Lame Show on all social media outlets. My guy joining me, as always, on the Thursday pod, the NFL pod, the Rager pod, L E N underscore S-T-R-K. What up?
2: Dude, I'm excited about this week. Yeah very excited about the schedule it's like one of the first times like i say a month where i'm just like whoa this schedule this weekend
1: well also think about it last week we were saying how we're only gonna do one game of the week yeah. because i mean we did do the mid-season awards if you guys haven't checked out that pod go and check that out a uh, couple of awful takes from a double l over here uh, but uh I <laughs> hey i had some too dalvin on prime time this sunday <laughs> night and uh yeah so we only did one game of the week last week but this week we got we got a couple on the menu and there are some good ones but i do want to mention a couple of names here that are first time signees some members of the patreon give them a shout out so we got david owen devin rendon blake hagerstrom tristan ratslav bradley preller alex davies my guy from australia all the way down there
2: i hope he's from melbourne yeah? Why? So that's my mom was born.
1: Oh, yeah? yeah? No shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember one time I got at you for Andrew Bogut, love, and you're yeah. like, hey, chill, man. Fuck off. <laughs> no, burn all day. <laughs> uh My girl, Corey, Corey Johnson Hoops, and my girl, Roslo. Thank you all for pledging to the Patreon. I appreciate you guys. That is your weekly shout out for all you new members. We'll put that list down on the floor. But, yeah, it's patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Oh, shout out also to uh goose goose is his discord name alan i don't know what his like real name is let's talk
2: with the beer for a second
1: but uh actually i think i'm pretty sure it's jonathan garcia but yeah shout out to him he won the october contest DraftKings, so he won the, the poster that's in the background over oh, there so yeah. i sent that to him and uh to my girl tammy coming in second and she won a vm hat so shout out to you guys there's there's a contest going on now streak for the cash for everyone that was a patreon in november december we got some cool prizes as always maybe some more giveaways so yeah just definitely check that stuff out but enough about that it's just a housekeeping notes we got to get to alan referenced the slate of games which we'll get to at the end but alan man how are you feeling about one derwin james being rumored to come back in a couple of weeks gonna revamp that chargers defense who honestly this might be a hot take bro but derwin james was the sole reason why i didn't pick them to win their division when he got hurt i think he's that impactful of a player i think he is that important to that defense and i mean dude last year him and darius leonard were neck and neck for rookie of the year i had a financial investment on derwin james so i had a little more of a rooting interest in him there but you know that guy always made plays and he's coming back. You know, he started jogging, so he should be good after the bye week to come back. How are you feeling
2: about his upside in that defense? I think one of the most important things to remember about Darren James is he could play like four positions. Like last year, he played between strong safety, which is natural position, outside linebacker. He sometimes played inside linebacker. Remember when they played the Ravens in the playoffs and they played pretty much seven DBs? It's a big reason why they shut down the Ravens running game on day because they weren't that reliant on their linebackers because Derwin could play like a linebacker inside the box. And he could also play slot corner. So for me, this is one of the most versatile players in the league. And I just think someone like him just coming back to that Chargers defense, which has always had a lot of talent, but I just think on the back end, they've been kind of leaky there, and just for his playmaking ability, whether it's being a ball hawk or just landing those hits, you just like seeing those safeties that are in forces, a tone setter, and I think Derwin James, that's the guy. Uh, I remember a lot of people were criticizing Tampa Bay for passing up on him, for Vita Vea. I'll give credit to Tampa Bay. Vita Vea is looking really good, even though a 340-pound nose tackle doesn't quite have the value of a playmaker quite like Derwin James, but nevertheless, I think getting him back of course Chargers are about to play now they gotta take care of business but I think when it comes to just the AFC you are looking for teams that could possibly challenge maybe not challenge doing it, but at least pose some of a threat like build some excitement I think you look at them rather than say the Steelers or Who's even in the AFC? Or even even the Titans or something. Like the AFC is just so bad. So I hope the Chargers I think they would be a great sixth because you assume Buffalo's gonna be the fifth seed and we need some team to emerge and you know, why not the Chargers?
1: Are we sure Buffalo's gonna be the sixth seed?
2: No, I think Buffalo's gonna be the fifth seed. Come on, that we schedule.
1: I don't know what to make of the Bills, man. I think they've.
2: They, I'm not a fan. Though. I'm sorry. They're dull. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, but they've they've also played a really favorable schedule too. You look at their wins, like you know, but, they were, but still gonna be favorable. I think. Sure. Yeah, yeah, their schedule is is pretty light. I mean, they have to go to Foxborough. That's probably gonna be a loss. But I don't know, man. Like Buffalo's kind of. Like, you're right. I think that's a perfect way to describe them. Dull. They're just like cool. You
2: know. It's just the AFC. All you really need to do is win nine games, and you're kind of in. It's just it's such a fragile conference right now between. Things imploding in Cleveland and, you know, Colts, who knows what's going to happen with Brissett and T.Y. Hilton's injured. It's just – never want to count the Colts, though, because that coaching staff. But. Yeah, they got to – I think it's a big game against the
1: Dolphins because now you're down to your third-string quarterback with Brian Hoyer. I don't
2: think brissett has been
1: ruled out, but
2: – Oh, he hasn't yeah, yet? He hasn't, but – but uh, I know because going back to the Chargers, they have to play Kansas City, though. The fact Twice, that, two more times they have to play them. Well, well, they have to play at least once without Derwin. Right, and nine. then they'll, they'll have yeah. him one. And, you know, also the the
1: Chargers upset them on a Thursday NFL Bowl game last year. But prior to that, they had dropped like seven straight games to Kansas City
2: and, and Andy Reid. Yeah. They lost the opening weekend last year. It was the first game. People were like, whoa. Pat yeah, Pat Mahomes. Mahomes came out.
1: Four touchdowns. I remember that. That's when Tyreek kill was doing the whole yeah. peace sign gimmick once again.
2: And then he looked the Steelers and Heinz Field and everyone's like, okay it's it's we not don't. a
1: fluke right yeah. you know uh, i famously after that week one performance dropped him for Corey coleman well but i don't know where my belt is i was and still am the reigning defending undisputed champ of my fantasy league despite that because i'm just really really good at what i do uh last thing on the chargers i will say and a lot of people have been asking me about this Thursday Night football game it's about to get underway right now we don't know the result of it by the time you guys hear this you'll probably know who won I want the Chargers to win that game because I think the Chargers can make more noise in the playoffs. They can upset someone. We saw them do it last year with Baltimore. You know, I wish that game with New England would have been played a little bit differently from a when it was going to be played standpoint. Because this was a Chargers team that played East Coast, went back West, and then came to play a 1 p.m. start Sunday. And if you remember that game, I believe it was like 28 nothing at one point. It's embarrassing. Yeah. So, And that Chargers team... Went 12 and 4 last year. They just lost a tad to the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think, from a, a, a long term and as a football fan standpoint, if you want to get the best teams and a team that can make noise, I mean, you look at the talent, dude. Like, I know their offensive line is shitty, but Rivers, Keenan, uh, Melvin Gordon Mike now. Mike Williams becoming a legit stud. Mike Williams, Hunter Henry is back. He's been a big part of their offense. And, you know, all the big names that they have on defense. So, yeah, I think Derwin James coming back is going to be yeah. good.
2: And it's big that Gordon and Ingram are starting to play better. Ingram had a huge. Game against Green Bay, like he lit up Green Bay's. You know, and when him and Bosa are going at right. it, especially when Ingram, they sometimes, especially on passing downs, the line up inside, they'll use him and Bosa right next to each other. They just cause so much havoc. So between those two, and Casey where I still think is playing at a high level. And I love Desmond in slot corner. Just they have so much talent there. And I do think Anthony Lynn's a good coach is just a matter of can Rivers still play at a high level because they're still questioned by him and of course that O line. Although Okung is back, which is big. They need at least some sort of solidity at left tackle.
1: That was a bar that you just dropped right now. I'm not going to even attempt to try to pronounce that one. Another guy who is heading to the IR. One guy is coming back. The other guy is going to the IR, and it's Cam Newton. Um, Cam (sighs) Newton, man. man, You know, someone once compared him and Russell Westbrook, and I thought that was fantastic because both guys get a lot of heat, and I don't know if it's always warranted. And I think Cam, man, is fantastic. I know you've always been a believer of Cam Newton – with uh, how well he played the first half of last season. And then, you know, either he got hurt or they ran into Pittsburgh on that wacky Thursday night football yeah. game. But how will you remember the Cam Newton era in Carolina
2: if this is the last we've seen of that? I think it was malpractice in a way of how Carolina kind of managed Cam Newton's situation just based on not really getting him a great supporting cast. You look, they tried... Drafting a bunch of tall receivers and Benjamin and Funches, guys that couldn't separate for. If, you, if their life depended on it, they couldn't create separation. It was just, all right, Cam, you have a big arm. You tend to overthrow your receivers. We're going to get two six foot four guys that can make plays in traffic. Meanwhile, Benjamin, okay, he made a couple catches, contested catches, but other than that, Benjamin offered nothing. Funches constantly dropped a lot of passes, not someone that was really reliable. Maybe one season he was decent, but between that and then. Just some of the poor decision offense line. The Matt Cleal contract was one of the most egregious things I ever see in my life. The fact that you would pay someone that had maybe eight good games his rookie year and then just couldn't stay healthy. and was just the biggest reason why that Vikings all line was terrible for years. It just between Gettleman and then uh, Martin. Who? What's the dude? What's the current GM? Cue me. Marty Herney? Herney. Herney's the name, my bad. Uh, between Gettleman, who, as we all know, David Gettleman's the worst, but uh, between him and uh, Herney, just I think they've mismanaged Carolina. I, I think they've a lot of mismanaged when it came to Cam Newton. Okay, Cam Newton isn't the most accurate thrower, but I think if you built a right system around him, if you actually gave him a good amount of town, he built a decent O-line, I don't think this would have happened. And maybe, they, maybe there were too many design runs at times for him, but I just think given that we've seen what happened to Andrew Luck, I think teams just need to recognize that you need to build a good infrastructure around your core, especially someone as dynamic as Cam Newton. I think Carolina kind of abused them. So I do think even though Carolina did make the Super Bowl, they had a lot of success with Cam Newton. They should have had more success. And that's how I kind of look at it. I look at it as malpractice. I like
1: your breakdown of the Panthers as someone who's a fan of the Falcons and you cover the Falcons – you have to watch them and pay attention to what they're doing because you play them twice during in your division. So I always do like to say that a lot of people, if you are a fan of one particular team, you should know your division really well. So I like where you're coming from with that. As someone who doesn't follow the Panthers, outside of that one year where they went 15-1, and obviously they were the talk of the town, as they say, and he won MVP, man, that was a really special year for Cam. Uh, Cam really... You know, he hit his ceiling and I mean if dude, if you look at the roster that he took and won a national championship with Auburn, I don't think there were many NFL guys on that offense, you know? And I think it's a guy who at times was overrated and then at times was underrated. So I don't know if he was ever properly rated, but you know, when you go from being a guy who there's a discussion of you being a top quarterback in the league because you won MVP. I mean, you were the top quarterback in the league that year. And then there was a discussion earlier this year, and you kind of checked me on it a few times. Where I was like, yo, if Cam comes back healthy, is he going to be the starter? And you're like, yeah, bro, he's going to be the starter. you know. So I think with Cam, you're right. They got a bunch of tight ends that were playing receiver. And I'm not talking about the Evan Ingram tight ends. I'm talking about actual like
2: – and um, Dixon. Uh, actually was a Panther at one point.
1: Yeah. But you're talking about tight ends, like the traditional old school, like Algie Crumpler tight ends. I, that was your my guy, dog right there. You know, Bubba Frank's kind of <laughs> stature of tight end. But, you know, they were always. I think that Cam, when they stripped him of the ability to be that guy in the red zone of the running and the rushing aspect, I think. You take away what his best asset was. Mm-hmm. And that's where you started to see the the fuckery with Cam Newton going on with yeah. the Panthers. I
2: don't think Shula was a great corner. That's what was crazy. Like, North Turner, that move was so criticized across the league, yet the first eight games, it was magic. Like they, Everything was going well together. And getting guys like DJ Moore and Kirsten, well, these are guys that could separate. You use them in a variety of different ways. The thing with Cam Newton, you want to use a lot of misconception. You want to kind of you, like, counterplay. You just want to be more creative. It's like When Cam was around, like, what was it? When Benjamin and Funches are main receivers, they were just very stagnant, very predictable. And they put a lot of pressure on Cam. Cam had to make these tight window throws and difficult angles. Just for me, I wish Cam had more time in North Turn. I think they were building something great until I think he separated his shoulder and just things teared out. But um, I'm not sure where he goes from here. I, I know some people are saying Chicago would be a good fit, maybe, but Uh, who knows what the future is there but i still think he's someone that of course he's a starting caliber quarterback leap but it would be good to see somewhere that he could compete right away i don't think he should be going to some rebuilding team like miami like i think that'd be a waste of time maybe someone like chicago or who knows maybe bruce Aaron takes a shot on him Ooh, imagine in division i don't think carolina would trade in division though but
1: isn't he a free agent after this year
2: uh not sure don't, can, can
1: you pull that up, Mike? I please? think
2: it's. I don't think he's a free agent because they said like Carolina would save 19 million by releasing him, but 22 to trade him. So I don't think he. I've never seen. Tampa
1: Bay wouldn't trade him then in division.
2: No, but I don't think he's a free agent though because I saw that he's on
1: contract. He's under contract, so man, he would be nice on Chicago because he does have a strong arm. You know, you have that wacky weather, the windy city kind of thing. Robs have a quarterback. Oh my God! Please, why'd you bring him up? I got Trubisky last week by Allen Robinson. Man, one point six points on DraftKings. I needed like three. I needed three points. I didn't ask for much. I didn't ask for forty. I
2: guess one of the worst secondaries
1: in the league. Everyone has career days this year against the pack. Uh, the Eagles. Eagles' secondary, nah, not Trubisky, man, not Trubisky.
2: Campbell will be missed though. He's one of my favorites. I think in terms of just dynamic players in the past decade, he's got to be up there.
1: Uncle Brett baby in the background, the GOAT. He calls uh he calls Vegas games now. Um uh, well he's in Vegas, uh, Vegas Sports and Information Network. He's the one that founded that. You know, he's always been a super D if you didn't know that. He's always been it's a guy. Like Guest. man, I would I would love to work for them. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas Sports and Information Network, that'd be pretty cool. But uh, you know, he left he left the SPN and he started that out there and now he does the games for uh, the Raiders. Okay. And, you know, they're moving them out there, too. But, uh, yeah, he was just in the background. He always, like, would do, like, the subtle gambling terms in his coverage. Like, Sounds now good. that game's over. Yeah. Right? Oh, Michaels. Yeah. Ma- Michaels yeah. the same. They're, they're the OGs to that. Yeah. John Axe trying
2: at UFC. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Another name I got on here, man, and I think it's going to be impactful. And it's not a season-ending one, but he is going to continue to be on the injured list. And that is Deshaun Jackson. And I know it's a one-game sample size, that one game against the Redskins, and nobody's better in revenge games than Deshaun Jackson, but I do think that that's a guy who this Eagles offense needed that home run threat. They don't have any field stretcher that Carson Wentz trusts, and that I trust when I watch them because like, we've seen Aguilar have these drops or show no effort on making an attempt it, at catching a pass so how do you feel about Deshaun jackson and this eagles team
2: huge loss especially given that i think the eagles schedule it's it's gonna pick up i know they play seattle um i want to believe they play i know still have to play dallas but it just they play it, new england too they play new england oh yeah i think it's coming up it's just the fact that the nfc is crazy right now there's nine really good teams and that means three teams are gonna miss out and right now the eagles they lose the tiebreaker to dallas it's just there's no Marge for error and just not to have that playmaker ski. Yeah, I know Goddard's starting to come out and they're starting to use the two tight ends really well. And, and that's what was a big luxury for them last year. Right. They were the team that
1: was running two tight ends since the most. I read Warren Sharp's book and he's been s he's been pro uh twelve personnel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Goddard was a guy who was balling out for them. And yeah, they are starting to utilize him a lot more. I believe last week he played seventy seven percent of the snaps. That wow. so was a season high for him. Yeah. And even, you know, and Zach Ertz finally you know welcome to There's the fantasy season big Zachary. push
2: off on fuller i thought it was a blade yeah, push off yeah but, but
1: again you know yeah. pass interference gets it it it's a judgment call and i think a lot of times the refs are just too stubborn to overturn it right the deandre baker one oh, no, I, who was it cooper or
2: was uh yeah.
1: yeah and then there was one on evan ingram that got challenged and it didn't get overturned oh jeez but <laughs> I, I mean
2: I, pat sherver i like pat sherver Geez, jeez he's not nah. doing himself any favors <laughs>
1: The, the the best thing Pat Shermer has done in, in two years is step in and bench Eli Manning because he showed me that he had cojones. But besides that, I don't think he's cut out for that. But I, I do think with Deshaun Jackson, uh it's a big loss, man, because I thought he was a guy that the Eagles didn't have last year and he still has some juice left in the tank. And just the idea of having him out there, even as a decoy, I
2: think changes that entire dynamic of that offense. Absolutely. He's still someone that could one of the biggest home threat, home run threats in the league and just someone that commands respect when you prepare for the Eagles and Deshaun Jackson's healthy or whatever team that Deshaun Jackson's on, he's someone you have to game plan for. Otherwise, you will allow a 70-yard touchdown. He will get behind your defense and you're going to pay the price. So to lose that kind of threat is a huge loss. You know Philadelphia, they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Doug Pearson, you know he's concocting some sort of crazy game plan. Like The Eagles are well subbed. They're going to be a problem, but to lose that threat... Definitely limits them a little bit, especially someone with Carson Wentz who could be a bit hot and cold at times. When Carson Wentz isn't playing well, he misses a lot of throws. But uh, I still think Philadelphia, they'll, they'll be right there. A team that kind of,
1: I think, proved themselves last week. And at the time when the game kicked off, we were doing our Monday episode. And that was the Ravens. Uh, We've talked a lot about Lamar Jackson and obviously he's the quarterback and he's a big reason why they are successful this year. I want to show love to everyone besides him on this one. Mm -hmm. What's the ceiling on the Ravens team? Can you see them winning a Super Bowl? Because right now they are the favorites, according to a lot of Vegas sports books, to win their division. They have a comfortable lead and they have a couple tiebreakers over teams in their division. Um, But I'm... Ready to change my opinion. I've changed my opinion on Lamar Jackson. How do you feel about the rest of the team? Like, Do you like their weapons? Their defense, I think, has improved since they got Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't think in terms of their personnel, it's that much of an issue just because the offense is so dynamic and Lamar can make so many plays out of structure that – uh, even though they're playing with a lot of rookies and Willie Sneed and the three tight ends, it, I I think they could still get by with it because Lamar just knows how to make the right decisions, just stretch plays out. And then with, with what they're doing with Ingram and Hill. So everything is like a three-player three, three player set. You have uh, Ingram, Hill, and Edwards, and then you have the three tight ends, Hurst, Doyle, and Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews might be a top-five tight end by the way. I, I, one the, it's the way he stretches the field. You don't see many tight ends doing what he's doing. So, I don't think personnel is an issue offensive. I think what's going to hold back Baltimore is I'm, their pass rush doesn't really do much for me. I think letting go Darius Smith is something that uh, we expected it, but I think it's been a bigger loss than they expected. And you really don't have much else there. I know Matthew Judah is made of Taco Bell, which is lovely, but he's not necessarily someone that's imposing, it's uh, scaring a lot of fear into tackles. And, you know, I like Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, supposed are like run stuff. I think Baltimore's lack of pass rush is going to affect them, even though the. They're always uh, putting together a lot of cool blitz schemes. And, of course, they got a lot of twists and they run a lot of studs. But it's just when you're going up against Mahomes and Brady, I think it comes back to haunt you. And I'm, if they get home field, I'm talking about, like, two C. I don't think they're get the one C. But if they could get, like, a home field in the, over Kansas City, I think that would be huge because I think Baltimore is one of the most intimidating places to play. So I think that will help them. But I think the lack of a pass rush is what's ultimately going to limit them this year.
1: Yeah, I remember watching that game and they said that no team blitzes more than them. Wow, really? Okay. So Don a very good defensive coordinator, b- yeah. but for them to generate pressure, they can't do it before. No, so they have to send people. But now I think that they have the corners to do so. Jimmy Smith has come back last couple of weeks. Marcus Peters now Humphreys, Humphreys who I always think been doesn't get the yeah. love that he deserves. Um, Eric Th- Eric Thomas Earl Thomas in the secondary too has kind of brought that attitude. You know, like when I think about the Ravens, there's two things I think about. I think about middle linebacker and I think of safety, right? Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, all those years, were just the cornerstones. And there are just certain teams that when I think about them, I think that they're good at that position, right? Green Bay, I think quarterback because they had Favre and then they had Rodgers, right? When I look at a team like the – Wow, I'm, what were we were just talking about oh the Ravens, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about linebacker, which right now they don't really have one, but they have Earl Thomas back there. In the I do think
2: of nose tackle because they had Tony Saragusa, then they had Nagata, now they have Brandon Williams. Like they do also have like nose tackles, which you don't see a lot of teams have anymore. So I mean that's not well. Really the
1: Giants bad. have a bunch of nose tackles. Yeah. No. That, that That's how I feel. Yeah. That's how I feel, too.
2: I don't really know the make of that. But they used to have a lot of good edge rushers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. back in,
1: like, 2008. Yeah. Uh, I also
2: want to make note of the Ravens also have a very good old line, which helps. I think is always one of the best. Ronnie Stanley's really coming along as well. So, like you saw the holes they were creating for the running game against the Patriots. They were just cleaning guys out. So, the, the Ravens, they're really built to compete. It's just... Kansas City and New England, those are juggernauts. Like I see both quarterbacks still picking up part just because of the pass rushing issues. But I also think that
1: I still want to see the Ravens, you know, the down 10 test where, you know, say say New England, you're playing New England and you jump out to a 10 nothing lead. How do you adjust? Because it's easy when you can do what you want to do. You want to run the ball with Lamar. You want to run the ball with Ingram, right. who has been a sensational signing. And you know what? So far I've been proven wrong because knowing the Ravens, they've always been a team who, you know, they've had – Ray Rice, then Justin Forsett was a thing, and then last year Gus Edwards was a thing, and then you know there's a guy that that's that I'm forgetting right now. Oh, Alex Collins was going high, and I loved Alex Collins. That's who he was doing, right? <laughs> but it's just like their M O has always been rotation. We're gonna rotate, same You're, as
2: edge rusher. They always just rotate, right? So Bangribs establishment. I always liked barking. Yeah, dude. that was that was a very underrated signing, and, and they got him pretty cheap too. They did. They didn't spend too much on I him. I think it was like four years, sixteen million. While the Saints. Spent like three years, 13 on Latavius Murray. And I'm just like, you can't even compare the players. Like, I was shocked to St. Stephen. And even like go. if
1: you go back to last year, Jarek McKinnon signed, what, three for eight, uh, eight million per year yeah. kind of thing. you know. And it's like, uh, again, established. I yeah. think that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's pivot over to games of the week because we have some really good ones. Um, Carolina is going on the road after an impressive win against Tennessee after getting blown out the week before. This is one of my favorite bets this week. Um, I love Green Bay in this spot because because it's it's more of a spot bet here. And what I mean by that is if I was to just eliminate the teams, I would go with the team who's in this spot. And the spot I'm talking about is we saw it last week with Carolina. Two weeks ago, Carolina comes off the bye. A lot of people were picking upset over San Francisco. They get pummeled. They get embarrassed. They come home. They cover against the Titans. What do we have this week? Deja vu, but it's the Packers' turn. Packers go out west, they get embarrassed by the Chargers. Now they come home, and they're a team who does play better at home. Aaron Rodgers, you know, Aaron Rodgers on the road is a is a 500 quarterback in his career, whole career. Yeah, would you have guessed that? No, not at all. Dude, he's a 500 quarterback Jeez. on the. Uh, I'm blaming Mike McCarthy for everything. That's it. It's just it's just unbelievable. Like oh, I, I was listening to that. He might he might be one game above now, but I remember hearing it at one point this year that he was. He was 500 on the road, but I just like this spot. McCaffrey has been running wild. Uh, arguably, he's in the discussion for MVP. He's clearly the fantasy MVP. But what do you think Green Bay got to do in this game? Is it just is it just every approach to the
2: Panthers being like, "Yo, stop 22"? Pretty much, but it's easier said than done. Obviously, I think it's make. Put Kyle Allen in third and long situations. I think Kyle Allen has regressed a lot these past few weeks. He was fortunate not to throw a couple of interceptions against Tennessee. He missed D.J. Moore bad on the go route. He should have been picked off by, I believe it was Malcolm Butler. Just I think Kyle Allen gets rattled very easily. He's still someone that doesn't see the field all that great. And I just think with Green Bay's pass rush with Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, all those guys there, I think they could rattle Allen. It's just a matter of game in third and long situations. So. Uh, if they can stop the run, which has been a huge issue in Green Bay, they've been run on quite a bit this year, whether it's by the Eagles or uh, I think Melvin Gordon had a lot of success last week. So I think it's just a matter of putting them in third long situations. That's going to be the make or break, and just trying to. I'll see whenever you in these type of games, you want to win the turnover battle, but in particular this one, because if they could get a short field and let Rogers do his thing, that would be huge. Because I do think Carolina's offense line can could, get could get at. It. They do have some flaws there, and given that Green Bay's person. I think Mike Penn's actually one of the better D coordinators in the league as well. So I can see the reason why I like Green Bay so much is I think they could really rattle Kyle Allen. I think this is a game where you're going to see Kyle Allen crumble.
1: Hmm. you're right that it's easier said than done stopping mccaffrey because you know even he he's one of those guys that he's just eventually it seems like he's gonna make a play Mm -hmm. right i believe i heard that if you take away his two games against the bucks who quietly are a top three team against the run and they've and they've played a lot of good running backs they've Mm -hmm. played camara they played Gurley, they played barkley they played him twice Mm -hmm. but if you take away those two games he's averaging over 30 DraftKings points and outing and this week I mean, I've been playing Daily Fantasy now for five years on DraftKings. I I don't remember a guy being $10,500 in salary. That basically takes up 25% of your cap. Jeez. You know, they only give you 55000 in fake money to build a roster. And it's basically if he doesn't get you 30 points, then you're drawing dead in your lineups. But he's having that kind of a year where if you look at his numbers, they're equivalent through eight games to LT in 'o six. You know, and that dude set the touchdown record. I think he's only behind them like three touchdowns at this pace. But still, man, that's crazy. Um, I want to mention one thing about Green Bay. Devontae Adams came back last week, and it showed that Aaron Rodgers missed him because he saw 11 targets right away. It's like, yo, turf toe, I don't give a damn. You're getting you're getting in this work. Is there anyone else on that offense that you're afraid of as a pass catcher? Because I know Aaron Jones has emerged, and even Jamal Williams is getting work in the backfield. But like, does MVS do it for you? No. Does, does, uh, um, wasn't it Allison? Lazard's interesting. Lazard is interesting. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought him up because
2: I think that guy should play more. I think as more, the more he gets it, Rogers trust. Cause you know, with Aaron Rogers, it's all about trust. He, he will put receivers in the doghouse if he doesn't like him. But if, you earn his trust. He wants you to get more snaps. I think he's going to get. I think it's just more of him learning to playbook because he just came on the scene. What well, was against the Lions? He made that big catch. Then he made a couple plays against the Raiders. So I think we'll see him get more snaps because I think Allison got banged up as well. And I don't think they really rely on Kumaro. I said spread the field out more. Get Jimmy Graham off the field. I think Jimmy Graham's someone that's just, he's been washed for at least a couple of years and he's someone that shouldn't be. There. I like to see more four wide receiver sets, right? And just using Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Has anyone declined quicker than him? I could put together a list, not the top of my head, but he's up there. But, man, because I remember
1: that dude was like 14 touchdowns a year and was an absolute beast. C- Seattle, I think he just started a fade. Well, with Seattle, he also had that serious injury, which I don't know if he's ever bounced back from. Like, yo, yeah. you, you tear your uh, – the patella ultimately is what ruined Victor Cruz. Right. You know?
2: Cause Jimmy Graham used to be most one of the most dynamic players in the league. Forget just tight ends; like Jimmy Graham used to just terrorize teams. Like it was not just because him and Breeze had a great rapport. He was just a monster in red zone. He just know how to use his body. Just to, he would box out defenders. Like he has such a big frame, basketball and, player. Yeah, but I remember watching Miami, and just now he could barely move. And yeah, he might break a tackle every now and then, but he's not someone that could just create separation, man coverage. He's just a guy that kind of a decoy, just someone you hit underneath. That's pretty much it
1: i've made a video for this game uh give you guys a little spoiler because i love the fans uh the patreon episode the degeneration bets game lines this is the best bet of the week for me green bay minus five I not just, new orleans atlanta i just <laughs> i just really like the spot there um you know new orleans atlanta man one of my things is i always lean to the team that's a dog in double digit division games oh you know the, the falcons are catching 13 points
2: all right <laughs> Maybe I should listen
1: to Alan because he, he tried to warn me about this. But yeah, going back to Green Bay, it's my it's my favorite bet of the week. Um, you'll see the graphics and all that. I just think it's a spot because yo, Green Bay also wants to stay in the discussion to be a top seed and have a bye week. So Jesus, sorry. it is something. Oh yeah, <laughs> Philip Rivers having another interception on a deflection. He threw in a very tight
2: window there, Philip. Yeah. yeah, but I will say I think what, what's going to the two things that I'll make or break this game, I think Allen's going to have a really bad game. I think Devontae Adams could bust open because I don't really rate those Carolina corners. So I, I think Adams has a huge game in Allen. People like Bradbury, them. though. He's solid, but he's not someone that holds up against like the top tier. Like Bradbury is physical, but he could get beat. So I, I think Adams has a big game, and you see Zedarius, Preston, all those guys get after. might even see a couple of picks. Maybe Jair Alexander does this thing. This next game,
1: Minnesota on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know what to do here. I gave a pass on this game on the on betting. I don't know. Because Dallas hasn't beaten anyone good yet. They beat the Eagles. I'll give them that.
2: And I don't trust Kirk Cousins on a primetime game. We also did count. Thielen's likely going to be out. And Cooper just had MRI.
1: Yeah. And isn't it kind of random, right?
2: Yeah. Because he was running ten zone just fine. Monday night in MetLife.
1: Yo most important person to dak prescott's success in my opinion
2: oh yeah there's no denying that amari that's cooper what, that's why Boomer mcfront was talking about zeke being the most valuable player on dallas i'm just like this is why i really have to mute monday night football if you look at last year dak prescott's
1: numbers prior to getting amari cooper and then post amari cooper it's substantial right and also they did go on that winning streak i believe it was seven of eight they won
2: I remember they lost to Tennessee on Monday night. They might uh, have just won And then they won out, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, and, and Amari Cooper, the I mean, Zeke was there the first half of the year, right? But it's just that it's 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 a guy who him and Dak connected instantly. Yeah. Um if I was Dallas, I would not let Amari go if I have intentions of keeping Dak, right? That's a whole other conversation on what's gonna happen there. But I do think that Amari Cooper is very, very important to that offense and and yo, even Michael Gallup too like that that two, three week window early on in the year when Gallup was out, you know, ultimately they beat the Dolphins, but that first half was a little sluggish because like Gallup didn't play. And he's a guy that's very important because he's a he's a field stretcher. On the flip side, really good after a catch as well. Kirk Cousins, I just don't trust him in prime time. So Alan,
2: who do you got winning this game and how? I wish we had more news because I think both Finges are key because I don't think Phelan's been ruled out, but he's likely out. And the fact that, Cooper had another setback. It's really concerning. So you just have to trust who has a... What defense you trust more? Or what O-line do you trust more? So I'm leaning towards Dallas just because uh, I think they could at least... Both teams have very good pass rushes. Like, damn, DeMarcus Lawrence had a huge game against the Giants. He was going off, and I think getting okay, Michael Bennett now is big. I guess he Bennett really causing problems against that Vikings interior line, which is not very good. I think just the fact that the Vikings' all line still looks shaky, and Dallas still is one of the best O lines, kind of is going to change the game and. I don't know, Minnesota, they could still be good at. The secondary is not as stable as it once was. Rhodes starting to look a bit washed. I don't know. He's allowing a lot of big plays. Rhodes open. Yeah, Trey Wayne's trying to cover Tyreek Hill. Good luck with that. Uh, and I don't know. I think Minnesota's defense, you're starting to see a couple pieces falling. And I think Dallas, not just because they have home field, but I think just between them having the O-line and just I think they could still hold to, produce enough turnovers defensively against Kirk Cousins, who you just don't know what to expect when he's on the road in a, a big game. So yeah, I'm gonna go Dallas.
1: Man, I really, I really have no idea. And this is this is big for playoffs um you know minnesota is not out of this the, could be a wild
2: depend on wild card with this both could teams. be a rematch yeah. yeah this could be where no. You, i'm talking about for tiebreakers coming wild card because if eagles win division packers win division these two teams would be right in the thick of it right yeah i didn't even think about that but this could also be the four five matchup potentially yeah there's a lot of moving there's, there's a lot of intangibles
1: lot. yeah this is a big game now are you buying into this kirk cousins knows this cowboys defense not really i don't know <laughs> Cause I mean, you so could also, a, yeah. Cause I always feel like that's kind of a dumb argument. Marinelli because, has been
2: there for a while,
1: but yeah, but like they know him too. Yeah, you know. And I just
2: think not having him feeling's a problem. It is, yeah. Yeah. Because they have no receiver. I know they did well against Kansas City, but Kansas City, everyone throws on Kansas City. Dallas is a really good D. Now they're getting healthy, like, and you know they're going to force turnovers with just that pass rush. And I think Van Rush will be back for this game, which is big. So I think a lot of things are pointing towards Dallas' f- favor, even though not having Cooper. It's a huge problem because you know how much of a difference Cooper can make. Who
1: do you think is more important
2: to their quarterback? I rate Prescott a lot more higher than Kirk Cousins, so that's why I kind of lead Dallas, but I think just based on looking at, you know, statistics and just, you know, film, you have to say Cooper is more valuable. The Man, thing is I, I have more tough. I have more faith in Dak to get it done though compared to Cousins.
1: Yo, off the top of my head I remember one Sunday night football game
2: the Redskins played the Packers. That's like the only good game that Kirk you Cousins. Them was up. Yeah, yeah, it was. Before that was like a fading it. team. I think they were fading, but then they had that surge, or was it? That was the, uh, was the. Yeah, I think they came back. They then they made the playoffs, beat Dallas, then
1: lost Atlanta. Right, but that was the that was the Redskins game where. Not that you like that. What was the other thing that he said?
2: Oh, he said something to GM. To the oh. GM.
1: Remember, he said something like, "How do you like me now?" Or something. Yeah, so yeah, like that, yeah. It was uh, a very right. slick comment. Oh, you like that? Oh no, no, that was uh, Rivers. Jesus, another <laughs> interception. Oh my First god. First one they
2: count. This was definitely counting. Oh boy, this is gonna get house. Yo, say? Phil Rivers, like they should not allow 37, 38 year thirty-eight-year-old quarterbacks to play on four days rest or Jesus. three days. I should say. Who do you got winning this game? I gotta go Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, oh, man. I want to see Dalvin do this thing. Dalvin Cook is just one of the best. It's another thing. Booker was talking about how Zeke's the best running back. I'm like, have you watched Dalvin Cook? I love Zeke. I think Zeke's great. But Zeke doesn't break tackles like Dalvin Cook's break tackles.
1: Man, I don't know how I feel about Zeke. And I'm in a position when when I talk shit about the Cowboys, I'm a hater. So I don't know what to say. Dude, Rivers
2: really went full Trubisky here. I'd start to be off, (laughs) but it was a really bad
1: but uh, but Zeke, man, like... I think a lot of guys could do what he does for that team.
2: He does. He hasn't looked quite the same this year. You don't see him break as many tackles. He doesn't have the same explosive burst. He still has a really good vision. That's one thing you have to give Zeke. But you saw some of those holes. I'm just like, man, could you imagine what Davin Cook could do with that hole or McCaffrey or Kamara or Barkley? Like, oh God. Compare the run blocking with the Cowboys to Giants in that game. Like Barkley was getting tackled almost immediately at the line of scrimmage. Meanwhile, Zeke's just having acres of space. So
1: is unbelievable when you watch the Giants and Cowboys play how far back this defensive line for the Giants gets pushed back. It is mind-blowing. Um, you you want Dallas? I'm going to go Dallas, yeah. Okay. I think Dallas ultimately at home wins this. Though it would be interesting if they lost. Because if they lost, they would have the same record with the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, that's right. And that would be something, you know, you're going to have to go to Philly
2: if you're Dallas. You still have that game. And, you know, a lot of games he's got. I, 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 you know, it's interesting they play the Bills on Thanksgiving. I'm, that's good. I want to see the Bills kind of do something. We were just ragging on the Bills a little bit, but that'll be a good test.
1: Last but not least, Monday Night Football. Finally, finally, a Monday Night Football game that is going to be a banger. This is the game of the week. Easy. This might be the game of the year so far.
2: Yeah. Is there, is there it. another
1: one? I know. I know. We live in the moment, but like undefeated against seven and two the. At The moment the leading
2: big, candidate to win NFL MVP 22 touchdowns, one interception, and it brings back the good old days because I think this is one of the best robberies when you think it was. It. Yeah, yeah, the peak,
1: the peak Legion of Boom and the and the Kaepernick versus Kaepernick and that offense that was that was good. Patrick Willis, sure, still involved on the other side. Yeah, yeah, wow,
2: yeah, that's right. So I just think there's a lot of nostalgia going into this game, but it's just knowing that these are two premier teams. Even though I really think Seattle's flawed. Like, we've seen Seattle past few weeks. That defense, we knew it wasn't good going into the year. They're legitimately bad. Well, they're getting bailed out by Russell Wilson. Yeah. Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett's like the most sure thing in the NFL right now. It, yo, it is, it is crazy how he, he's a great receiver. Like, I don't think you could say
1: he's a good receiver anymore. I think he's a great receiver. And especially with Russell Wilson, even when Russell Wilson's buying time, it seems like Tyler Lockett always finds a way to get open, a little bit of space, and the completion percentage is, like, astonishing.
2: He just hits him on those crosses. And 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 also, like,
1: touch, yeah, and, and dude, it's not like, you know, I don't want to hate on Drew Brees and Mike Thomas, but a lot of their stuff is underneath. Like, you're talking about these are shots downfield. These and are very tight window throws. The tough throws yeah. that he's making to Tyler Lockett. Some of the throws
2: hit against Atlanta and Tampa Bay were just jaw-dropping. Like
1: And even the throw against the Rams in the back of the end zone, oh, that was crazy. Yeah. And, and Russell Wilson, man, he just continues to... I sensed a FU attitude from him this year because... Now he doesn't have the excuse of the Legion of Boom to bail him out. It's no longer Marshawn Lynch's team. It's no longer you have those guys in the back end that bail you out on defense. It's basically Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson that are left from that core team that made the Seahawks what they were five, six years ago. Now I think Russell Wilson is just like, yo, I'm going to show you guys how great I am. Some people were a little hesitant to – I wouldn't say to – give him that contract but he wasn't up for that contract yet you know and they're also going to get
2: Josh Gordon into the mix It's very exciting he's always been a big x-factor but I think in this offense like such a guy like DK Metcalf you can run crosses with both of those two big bodies and then lock it uh, just there's a lot of excitement going on in Seattle and uh, their old line's not as bad as it once was I think Dwayne Brown's been a huge uh, the him in 2017 but you see now that Wilson isn't as Jittery in the pocket. There's times where Wilson would just bail out of the pocket did he trust his protection. Now you see him, he's trusting his protection. He still gets pressure quite a bit, but there was a point where Russell Wilson would just be bailing out of clean pockets just because he was scared. He was like, oh, I'm get hit. Now he's a little more confident back there. But I do wonder with this game, though, they are going against a premier pass rush. We might see Wilson scramble a lot more than he has been this year. Yeah, this is probably, I think, the best defense in football that he's going up against.
1: Uh, I'm not going to overreact to what happened to the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, but I was saying that, you know, you haven't really played anyone good yet. He played on offense in Baltimore, and it kind of exposed New England a little bit. And I do think that when you're looking at the Niners, don't you see a lot of similarities between the, the 2012, 2013, 2014 Seahawks and this Niners team?
2: Oh, there are definitely similarities, especially when you look up front. I still think – just the secondary. Cause the I secondary still, is not this. I still want to see... But I just think that secondary has so much star power in Seattle. While, right. Well, it's us say maybe we'll see more guys emerge. Like, I really like Weatherspoon, but for the most part, you just think of Sherman. That's that's pretty much the secondary. And
1: Sherman, you know, let's be honest, it's more like the name and the legacy. Like, he's still playing yeah, at a high level, well, yeah, but yeah. he's no longer...
2: Shut down. It, a lockdown, lot of
1: names yeah. are going to go by before you say Richard Sherman is the best corner yeah. in football.
2: I think all their success is built up front, but they've assembled up front. You have... Four And I think Armstead's playing at a real high level. We're not talking about him enough. Even Solomon Thomas is making plays. Just what they've built up. I do wonder, this is their first game without Quan Alexander, how much they're going to miss him. Right, he got hurt yeah. in that Thursday night football game. Right, and they still don't have McGlinchey, Staley, or Ushek, Even though Seattle's you know, I like on Clowney, but he's not someone you want to rely on as your main passer. So I think that's pretty much a given.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, I never liked Clowney.
2: He makes plays. He causes havoc, but he's not someone. Like, he's more of just a run stuffer, like... Not run stuffer, but he makes plays against the run. He's just not someone you could depend on to like generate pressure.
1: I'd much rather you, if I'm going to take you number one overall, you be bad against the run than be bad against the pass. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't think Clowney is a guy that...
2: He's not someone you can rely on. I, it's, it's and, and all
1: those years, all those years in, in Houston, he had some good pass rushers around him. Merciless, J.J. Wow. Watt, obviously. And, you know, he never was a 16-sack guy. And I know that's
2: about a sack a game, and that's a high mark. But, I don't know, double Clowney... Digits. I think it's like 7 or 8.
1: Yeah, Clowney yeah. never did it for me.
2: He just does... He's really good against the running. You see at times he'll back a couple of passes down. Like, he just... He's always causing havoc. Like and, he, and you can use him a lot of different ways. Like, Seattle loves you blitzing him through the A-gap. Like, he's someone you go line up at linebacker, and he could just burst through. But, eventually, it's just like when you invest so much, it's like, I need to see some stacks. I need to see some production. And he just hasn't done it. So. I don't know, Seattle, as, even though the record's really good and Russell Wilson's best quarterback of the league and Chris Carson, even though, he's, yeah, okay, he fumbles a lot. He had to still think Carson's a really dynamic running back that brings so much to the table. Just Seattle's such a flawed team. Like, I'm shocked they're 7-2, and they have a brutal schedule. Like, it wouldn't surprise if Seattle starts dipping a little bit, but just given that Russell Wilson's playing at MVP level, like, there's no way they could completely collapse, but I do think they're going to start losing some games just because they're playing against... You know, they got Philly. I know that's something they got to play Green Bay. This, they have so many good teams they're playing against coming up. So
1: Yeah, I'm very excited for this one. It seems like the Monday Night Football games have been a little, you know, you can. Other than in
2: Houston, New Orleans, they've been all bad. I know Dallas, not Dallas, uh, Detroit, Green Bay was kind of interesting, but it's been duds this year. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, like, you,
1: even this past Monday was a dud. If it wasn't for the Giants, like, I I wouldn't have I was been slightly interested because I
2: just want to see Daniel Jones against. Cowboys, Cowboys. D, that was about it. But other than that, I was like, okay, this is just another Giants Cowboys game. But you buying into this black cat jinxing the Giants? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> I I will buy into the fact that Stephen A. Smith is the man who put it on the field. Oh, just man. just 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 for laughs. But uh, I how do you think this game decides? Because I think both teams have really good running games. That we should take. I know everyone's like, oh, established to run this that. Like, yeah. we are talking about running games? But both teams do can run the ball.
1: I think this is going to be the classic, whichever quarterback has the ball, last wins kind of game. Only because I think Seattle's defense is not that good. Okay. I'm not saying that Jimmy G is playing at the same level as Russell Wilson. But I'm saying that the balance is that what balances that out is that I don't think Seattle's defense is as good as people might think.
2: I think Jimmy G's going to light him up. Yeah. a big game. Dude, everyone's laying up Seattle. Matt Schaub lit up Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that's a
1: fact. That's a fact. Winston, even, did, even Winston last Yeah, week.
2: if Winston did it, what was the, it? Just pull the Winston. Yeah, just pull a James Winston. So I think Jimmy, especially all the play action, they're everyone, I think they're going to just, especially Sanders is now. Yo, major.
1: I was going to mention him right now. He is clearly Jimmy G's guy right now like he is getting you know i was watching the game last week with the cardinals and i was texting danny and josh who we play daily fantasy every week i was like yo this something to monitor it seems like every time he needs to play it goes to sanders let's keep that in mind when we're trying to identify which wide receivers they got to pair him up and yeah i mean sanders george kittle um would you call it a two-headed monster because you know Coleman has that big game against the yeah. Panthers and then kind of lays the egg the next week, and Breida picks it up close to 100 yards. They
2: do sp- spread around. Like, Pettis had a big play. same had a big play. You know, with Kyle Shan's offense, role players will have the opportunity to shine just because he schemes up plays all the time. Like you, You're going to have your moment where you're going to be 10 yards open downfield and you're going to score. That's just Kyle Shan. He's brilliant like that. So, uh, I, Between that, and I just want to see how Russell Wilson copes with this pass rush because I think – Man, they're gonna get after him. Yeah, <laughs> this fast rush is gonna get after him. And I think Nick Bosa versus the Brown should be a cool matchup because this is one of the premier left tackles in the league. And seeing how Bosa fares, but still, you got guys like D. Ford and DeForest Buckner. Just even when San Fran was bad, they would give give uh, Wilson problems. Like I remember that one game. I maybe mean, it was two years ago. Remember Wilson threw a touchdown where I think Buckner was bringing him down, and he just flung it in. They went like ten six. Yeah, yeah. So was, I was gonna I was, say it was a slow scoring yeah, game. Yeah, like, like San Fran's been causing problems. When they were bad, like, what are they gonna do now? So, uh, we'll see. Jesus, Philip, like I said, we're b- new rule we're banning 38 year olds from playing. Oh, Thursday they got picked sixth. Oh, Jesus Christ. But, Look uh, at this go amazing. Who, who do you got in this
1: game? Man, I don't want to bet against Russell Wilson. He puts fear in my heart as someone that has been bet against him. If I'm holding a ticket on the Niners and he has the ball, it, it, it puts fear in my heart. Him and like Andrew Luck were the two guys were like when I would have a ticket like those you can never count those guys out they would always and now you know who else is in that sky? Sc- Watson. Watson. <laughs> yep. When no, if you guys, if you guys are out there and you guys are betters, I dare you to disagree with me because you can't. If you have a bet and you're going up against those guys, they put fear in your little hearts. So I can't pick against Russell Wilson. I think he's playing at such a high level that I agree with you. There are a lot of issues on this team. The offensive line is not the best. The defense is not that great. But I think Russell Wilson is having one of those years where, like Cam Newton, you know, we opened up the show with Cam Newton. I think, like, Cam Newton had that one year with the Panthers where he kind of
2: elevated everyone else around him. I think Russell Wilson is the same exact way. Okay. going San Fran. Trust that. I think the passers is going after him. And let's take into account, what was it, three extra days of rest? And you're giving Kyle Shannon extra time to prepare, especially now that he has Sanders to work with. I just think there's a lot of advantages going San Fran's way, not to mention their, their home as well. Just between that and I think you could still guess it. I'm just very excited to see what he could do with guys like Pettis and Samuel and Coleman because you know Shan's going to create some sort of crazy game plan. So I just think between that and I think Seattle's defense, they're going to get really torn apart in this one. I think Jimmy G's starting to play a little better, and Jimmy G, you give him some uh, easy throws ahead. hit, he's going to hit him. So I'm going San Fran. What you guys are about to hear right now
1: is an interview with Derek Klassen from Football Outsiders. He's a big QB guy, a good friend of Allen's. Uh, as far as we go, you can find us at Veterans Minimum. is the Twitter handle, the Instagram, the Facebook. If you want to watch this podcast, you can on YouTube, youtube.com slash Veterans Minimum. As far as I go, it's at The Lamb Show on all social media outlets. Allen, where can they find you? Allen, that's L E N underscore S-T-R-K. We will catch you guys on the Monday pod. Enjoy our conversation with Derek Classic.
2: Now joining us, good buddy of mine. I think we became buddies back in like 2016, just through doing podcasts. I remember I had him on my old Falcons podcast before the Falcons played the Rams during the Jeff Fisher era. So it was a one, uh, funniest podcast. But nevertheless, my buddy Derek Classic currently breaking down film for football outsiders and doing some work for Roto World might I add. So uh Derek, thanks for coming on to the show.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh thanks for reminding me of uh the time I had to write about the Jeff Fisher. Not the greatest time in my career, but you know as, it's what it is
1: as Derek, <laughs> as a uh, lamb here by the way, uh as as someone that you know, your expertise and the thing you study the most is quarterbacks for someone that's here on the East Coast, and I'm not really deeply involved in the Jeff Fisher era that closely, and you being a fan of the Rams, uh, was, was it that rough having to write about and digest that era of just quarterback play? Uh, it was
3: terrible because <laughs> it, the, the the quarter it was frustrating from the sense of like I'm obviously. Um, partial to quarterbacks so anytime I I see an offense or you know a bad wide receiver putting quarterbacks in a rough position it just it hurts my heart and so to see that Jeff Fisher offense not only was the offensive line bad but the scheme was just so bland that to throw in a rookie quarterback from an air raid offense and put him in a system that was completely unfamiliar to him and also just bad for You know, any quarterback, like I think even someone as good as Matt Ryan would have struggled in that offense. It was just such an unbelievable pain, especially because they never really fixed anything as the season went on. So it was just
1: 16 games of garbage. Why was it that Jeff Fisher was never able to produce uh, quarterbacks at a high level? Because, you know, you saw Nick Foles, he left him, went back to Philly, and then he stepped in for Carson Wentz and wins the Super Bowl. Case Keenum had. A sensational year with the Minnesota Vikings that one season where they were on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl. And wow! I just connected the dots how two Jeff Fisher quarterbacks played in the well, NFC. Well, that was a
2: big storyline back in 2017, right?
1: Yeah. And then you know, uh, Jared Goff looks like a guy who you know that famous clip went up where he didn't know where the sun rose and the sun set on like Hard Knocks, and then he was a guy who looked he was like he was being treated like a clown, you yeah. know, like everyone was shitting on the draft pick and making fun of the Rams, and he was a bust and whatnot, and then you know, you get McVeigh. So, Derek, my question to you is how, how important is a, a a new system and a quarterback whisperer like a Sean McVeigh, like a Kyle Shanahan to the success of a quarterback?
3: Oh, I think it's almost everything because uh, especially for the young quarterbacks now, and I think this is especially true for, um, you know, I think now we're seeing a lot of guys who only play one year of college, Uh, whether that's Mitchell Trubisky or Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins. And so I think for those guys that don't have very much playing experience, it's very important for them to be put in an offense that um, makes things a little bit easier for them. You know, I just wrote about the Cardinals a little bit, and and Cliff is obviously one of the the better guys at doing stuff like this. But just the way that he's able to simplify the offense for Kyler Murray, whether that's just adding small twists that are going to mess with um, a defensive coverage rules, or um, just understanding which players to pick on at certain times and stuff like that. I think Cliff just does a very good job of streamlining where Tyler Murray needs to be looking and what he needs to be thinking about. Whereas if you if we go back to the the Jeff Fisher era, it was a, a lot of concepts that were kind of disjointed from each other. You know, these routes weren't really clearly defined in terms of you know you, you see a lot of routes that are like triangle reads where one read will lead you into another. And that was just never something we really saw out of Jeff Fisher. It was just kind of a handful of ISO routes thrown together and asking a quarterback who is stepping into the NFL and reading unfamiliar coverages, and he wasn't able to figure it out. So I think streamlining the process for these young quarterbacks is is huge. And, you know, like you mentioned with Sean McVay, I think he's done a
2: fantastic job at that. and He's probably the best example of being able to do it. Sticking with young quarterbacks, you wrote a great piece about Baker Mayfield. I would say a month ago, uh, since that piece came out, and just watching the Browns struggles, have you picked up on any of Baker's like more? Do you pick up more on uh, like some of his shortcomings, or do you think he's slowly improving? I'm curious because obviously the Browns are at the forefront of a lot of criticism right now. That situation
3: is so weird because I think at least now, um, you know, eight eight games into the season or whatever, I think it's kind of beyond salvaging for them and so I don't think we're going to get to the point where Baker really turns it on and I know we probably could have said that last year but I think that was a much different case with um, Hugh Jackson having been the head coach and then them completely overhauling the, the coaching staff but I don't think that's the case this year I think the thing with Baker Mayfield is that one he's been a lot less accurate this year which is just something we never saw out of Baker Mayfield and so I'm not entirely sure what that's about I think that's I think that's something that just has to be fixed, and I think we're just seeing some of the flaws in his game that we never really saw last year, in part because I think the scheme was a lot better and it made it a lot easier for him. I think the offensive line was a lot better, and so him having been so clean so consistently uh, as a rookie, especially for someone who coming out of college, kind of had issues under pressure, and then for him to be under pressure a lot more this year I think is kind of we're seeing a lot more of those bad habits and they really have no immediate fix right now.
1: I think the one issue with Baker Mayfield is exactly what you hit, you hit on where everyone's excited about Jarvis Landry and Njoku prior to him getting injured and Odell Beckham Jr. coming over and, you know, Kareem Hunt is making his debut this week and we know about Nick Chubb, but it's like, yeah, you know, lost in the shuffle is that, they lost an interior offensive lineman in Ziedler who left to go to the Giants. And the biggest liability on that offense was the offensive line. And you're seeing that, you know, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I remember Allen. You mentioned it. How he always rolls out to his right. Yeah.
2: Like, like Derek, you remember in that game against the Rams? Like Clay Matthews just stopped trying to rush. He just played contained, and he managed to like create like five pressures off just playing contained. Did you notice that?
3: Yeah, like the the thing that's it. What's so frustrating about the the thing about Baker Mayfield running to his right all the time is it's not, well now defenses are just forcing him to do it but the thing is that usually when a quarterback is going to move left they have to flip their shoulders around as opposed to you know facing the line of scrimmage and, and just turning to your left you kind of have to completely flip your body around because it's just a faster way to move and accelerate out of it Baker Mayfield has zero understanding of how to do that if you watch guys like Deshaun Watson Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers—they all have this understanding of how to turn their shoulders and immediately get back up the field. I, I have—I don't—I honestly cannot recall a time of Baker Mayfield doing that, and I'm sure he's done it at some point in his career, uh, maybe at Oklahoma. But the fact that I can't, like, think of any instance of him doing it is, is so concerning.
1: One of the more polarizing quarterbacks, and you mentioned Deshaun Watson, and the first name that comes to mind, and Bears fans, cover your ears, is Mitchell Trubisky. You know, the the running joke now is that the Bears traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky, and he looks horrendous. Uh, one of my favorite calls so far, you know, not to, you know, count the chickens before they hatch kind of thing, but I was off the Bears completely this year. I think they benefited a lot last year for the Matt Nagy system being exposed to to the NFL for the first time, not having film on Mitchell Trubisky, whatever his strengths are, and playing a fourth place schedule. I'm a big believer in that kind of stuff. And, you know, it seems as if they're just rolling out Mitchell Trubisky with no hope. What do you think the big issue is with Trubisky?
3: Uh, Well, I've never really been big on Trubisky either. I think what you, you mentioned about Nagy, having his offense kind of first being exposed to the NFL, I think, kind of did benefit them a little bit. Um, and I think Trubisky was just generally playing a little bit better last year. And the problem is that his better is still only makes you like the 22nd best offense in the NFL. Right. And I think that's a huge issue because I, I don't think the Bears' offense can really be any better than it was last year. Um, I expected them to be a lot closer to that though this year. Um, but Trubisky has just not been that. And I think his biggest issue now is, is accuracy. And I think his confidence is just shot and I don't know exactly where that's coming from um, I think part of it is that Nagy just very clearly doesn't trust him I know he, Nagy kind of mentioned offhand in the offseason that they had kind of cut down the playbook a little bit and I, I don't know if that's in particular what got to Trubisky but you can even just watch the film now and they definitely like cut down the playbook because I just don't think Trubisky is the guy who can handle it and I wrote about this in the Football Outsiders Almanac too that Um, under center play action is basically like it's completely out of the book with Trubisky like he just doesn't have that field of vision um that management of the pocket and that like ability to see the middle of the field he just doesn't have that for whatever reason so all of your play action has to be from gun and that just kind of makes your play action not nearly as as valuable um especially because I think Nagy's offense does have a high a it has more potential to play out of under center if they wanted to, but I think he just, you just, you just doesn't really allow you to do it.
2: I want to stick with another polarizing quarterback with Cam Newton. Obviously, I know you're a big Cam Newton guy. One of the best quotes I saw this week was from uh, Kevin Clark. He goes, there are people who appreciate Cam Newton at his best, and then there's people that have no idea what they're talking about. I just thought that quote kind of embodied everything about Cam Newton. What do you make of Cam Newton's future at this point, considering that you know this is a lost season and who knows about his future in Carolina?
3: Um, that, that really is a perfect phrase um, about Cam. I, I, Kevin's great so that's no surprise that he was able to come up with that but um, I, I think Cam I, I think at this point he I think the issue this year was that he just the situation has soured. I, I think if both parties were in agreement or on great terms I think he probably could have ended up coming back and playing this year but it just seems like that's kind of this this whole run in Carolina has run its course, so I guess the idea is just that he can take the rest of this time and just get fully healthy, and then go play for somebody else next season. But for as much as I love Cam Newton, I, I think his body is just so broken down at this point that you're never really going to get anything close to 2015. Uh, for one, uh, I think I guess that at best what you're looking at is like that first half of 2018, where. Um, he started throwing short a lot more and he was doing okay with that type of stuff. He wasn't really running on designed runs at all. He was mostly staying in the pocket with a lot of his passing. Um, and he was just generally a little bit more accurate in part because like I mentioned, he was, you know, being able to throw short a little bit more often with McCaffrey, which is just something that was never really in Carolina's offense for years. So I guess that's your hope is that you can get that guy, but I think not having the design run aspect, um takes a lot of Cam Newton's value out. I, th- I still think he can be a good passer, but, um, you know, probably something like 20-25% of, of Cam's value was just being a great designed runner, especially in the red zone. He, he was really one of the rarest weapons I think we've ever seen in the red zone.
1: Derek, I'm a big New York Giants fan and producer Mike in the background's a big Jeff fan. And, you know, these two young quarterbacks are squaring off this Sunday in the battle of who's more incompetent as an organization right now in New York. <laughs> but uh, my question to you is, is, which of the two, if you were a GM, would you want to start a franchise with? And I won't get aggressive if you don't say my guy.
3: So the problem is that I mean, Darnold is obviously going to have a terrible reputation right now. One, because he had the awful game in prime time. Um, but his entire season has just been shot. But I think the problem is that, like, there was really no way Sam Darnold was going to be good this season after he had the setback with Mono. And also the fact that Adam Gase is his head coach. Like, I think the New York Jets made an awful decision hiring Gase in the first place. And then allowing him to bring on D- uh, Dell Logans, which just makes them even more incompetent. So I I think it's so tough to evaluate Sam Darnold in 2019. I I think the best bet we're ever going to get is looking at him next season. Um, If they can get a new head coach, if they don't get a new head coach, I I really have no idea what they're going to do with Darnold because I I don't think keeping Gates there is going to allow him to shine. Uh, As far as Jones – I think he's been a little bit better than I thought he was going to be. Um, he's been especially really good in the quick game. That was something he was always good at at Duke. But I still have questions about how he senses pressure in the pocket. I still have questions about how he throws down the field consistently. But like I said, I think he's he's been competent for a rookie, and that is not what I expected him to be. So um, I, I guess if you're looking for a guy right now, with respect to their situations, I would say the Giants are probably in a little bit better position right now.
1: Derek, it seems like every year there is a guy that creeps up, whether it's in the Heisman votes, whether it's a guy who was not projected to be a first-round pick and then he plays himself into being a top-five pick. Just shifting over a little bit to college football, um, who do you think might be that guy that people should maybe keep their radar on? And is it, is it Burroughs from LSU that has just taken the whole country by storm in college football? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one
3: has to be Joe Burrow. Um, and the thing is, uh, Seth Galina, who, who writes uh, about football, you, got, you can look him up on Twitter. He does a lot of great stuff. But um, he's mentioned that Burrow wasn't necessarily that much different last year when he was just okay with LSU. Um, but the thing was that they didn't have Joe Brady calling plays for them. And so the offense wasn't doing as good of a job of, of getting guys open then you add on another year of experience for joe burrow he's a redshirt senior now you bring in joe brady who's from the saints um he brings in a lot of those spread concepts you have three nfl wide receivers you have a pretty good offensive line and all of a sudden joe burrow is given all the tools to do all the right things and you can just watch the film on him and he just i think the thing that sticks out about burrow is that he almost always makes the right read it's not necessarily something flashy he's not making some you know crazy throw into a tight window, and he's not you know, scrambling to do something insane like Patrick Mahomes, but he just seems to always make the right throw, and I think uh, as far as the NFL goes, I think they're going to love him. I think the other one is probably Jalen Hurts, who I think people didn't even think was a quarterback at Alabama, um, but I think he's definitely done a lot for his stock this year, and at the very least, he's going to get drafted at some point. It's kind of just a matter of how high he can climb.
2: My last question would be, given that Obviously, the NFL is a offensive-driven league. You know, there's a lot of coaching changes that are being made. Look at you know, we got Jeff Vanier, Giant Fan here, uh Falcons. Any time now, Dan Quinn's gonna get fired. So I'm curious, given that you you follow a lot of different schemes and just a lot of different play callers, who are some of the play callers that are likely going to be head coaches? Who do you have, who are you keeping an eye on that could potentially be coaching? Whether it's the Jets, Giants, Falcons, Redskins, whoever it may be next year.
3: Um. This is going to sound like a weird choice because he was very recently fired, but I think Jay Gruden is actually one of the smartest play callers in the league. Um, he, he kind of does a lot of very similar stuff to like the Shanahan McVeigh style of offense. Um, I mean, they both came, they both uh, worked under him um, for God's sake, so it kind of makes sense that they're that way. But I think Gruden has very consistently done a good job of. Um, creating offenses, especially passing offenses, that just make things easy for the quarterback to play action game has always been fantastic. Um, I think if you look at the way that he was using Trey Quinn earlier this year, um, almost really using him like an H-back or like a tight end um, and and allowing him to block and even using him as like an ISO guy sometimes, um, I thought was just really fantastic. And I think if he were to ever get into a situation that actually has legitimate talent at his disposal instead of, um, you know, having to deal with Kirk Cousins or uh, Case Keenum and all that sort of stuff. I think if you gave him an actual quarterback um, and and some more uh, receiver talent and an organization that is not a complete dumpster fire, I actually think Jay Gruden could probably be a decent head coach. Because if you look at the rosters that he always had, I think he probably outperformed uh, for the most part, given what you know what he had on
1: hand. Well, Derek, thank you so much, man, for joining us. We don't want to keep you much longer. Uh, It was a pleasure. Welcome to the Veterans Minimum brand. The floor is yours, my friend. Tell everyone where they can find you, what you're working on, anything you want to plug, feel free. Yeah,
3: well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, It's always a great time, especially when all I get to do is talk about quarterbacks. Uh, Definitely my favorite. Um, You guys can find me on Twitter, at QBclass, QBK. L-A-S. I uh, I do a film room every week for football outsiders. Uh, As you can tell by my quarterback stuff, tends to be a lot of passing offense or passing defense. That's kind of uh, the way that I look at things. And then I do
1: some college football stuff for Roto World as well. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate it, man. Hopefully we have you on again, and maybe you'll give me a more definitive answer that it's Daniel Jones that you would build with between the two. (laughs) I I think
3: getting a Daniel Jones uh, answer out of me might be tough, but we'll see.